Hey guys, I'm Lorena and thanks for checking out this message today. We're so glad that you're here and we want to connect with you and your family. So please text River Connect to 97000 and you can also um, visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and all the upcoming events we have. And lastly, if you want to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount you want to give to 84321 or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Uh, thanks again for joining us, and we hope that you enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all. If you take your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter number 6. So glad that we can gather together this morning and uh, worship the Lord. So thankful for our worship team and leading and our tech team and all the, all the stuff you guys do. Thank you so much. We so appreciate it. But Matthew chapter number 6, uh, we are in our series on the Sermon on the Mount. I've uh, got a couple more weeks left in, the, in this series, uh, and we have been walking through chapter number six. I'm very thankful that last week's sermon of forgiveness, you know, was, it wasn't very, very difficult, was it? No, we, it, was, it was a grind to walk through what is forgiveness? How do we forgive? What does forgiveness look like for those who know Christ? And ultimately, the most wonderful forgiveness is that Christ, through the cross, offers us forgiveness and everlasting life. And uh, I've had many conversations, I know our staff have, that just, uh, you can say, oh yeah, forgive, it's easy, it's not. There's wounds and there's scars and there's hurts and so it's difficult and so walking through that, I'm so glad uh, just being a church and studying on that and looking at it and go, God, what, do, what does that look like for us? How do we live that out? Well, this week, uh, the topic, as we, as we walk through chapter 6, is a little bit different. It's a gear change. This morning, we're going to talk about fasting. We're going to talk about going without food. What does it mean to fast? What, what does the Bible say about it? Are, are we as Christians still called to fast? Is that an Old Testament thing, a New Testament thing? Is that a daily thing we're called to do? Weekly, hopefully not a daily thing. That'd be difficult. But like, a, you know, every month, what does that look like? What, what does it mean to fast? Now, I'll tell you, uh, a lot of times these subjects, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if I were to ask you, you know, who in here has heard a sermon on fasting, uh, there's probably more sermons on forgiveness than fasting. It's one of those topics that's easy to, to skip over. And if, if we were, you know, if we were a topics driven church, this would be this one fasting. No, it's okay. Let's move on. But we're not. We walk through God's word. We want to teach the whole word of God. And here Jesus speaks on what fasting is and what fasting is not. So Matthew chapter six, verse 16 says this. And when you fast, which again gives evidence that we're called to fast. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your feet, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. As I began to put the sermon together and began to out, outline it and see what it looked like, I thought about beginning the sermon like this. I thought about that. I'm, I'm not going to. I am just thought about doing it this way. thought about asking everybody in here, who has ever fasted? And I was going to ask for people. I'm not doing this. I'm just saying I thought about doing this. 
Who in here has fasted before? And I was going to, all right, who in here has done that? Uh, and when I talk about the word fast, what I don't mean is the diet plan you were on three weeks ago and you lost 20 pounds. That is not, that has nothing to do with a biblical fast. But I thought about asking, who in here has, has fasted before? And then when you raised your hand, I was going to call you out and go, didn't you just see what those scripture we just read? Don't tell anybody you're fasting. I would have offended some of you. But Jesus talks about fasting. He says, you don't fast for people to see it. Now, when, when I was younger, honestly, I was, I was a younger believer. I, I really thought you can't tell anybody that you're fasting. Like, no one can know. Do I think that's what the scripture is saying here? No. I, I, there are, we're going to study. There were corporate fasts. And, and, and so people can know that you're fasting. What Jesus is calling out is that some people in the church like to use biblical religious things to draw attention to themselves. And so if you were out there and going, have you fasted before? And you're like, man, I wish I could wave my hand. Uh, Yes, right here. I'm the one who knows how to fast. I do that. I'm Everybody see, you see, see both hands, both hands. This is what Jesus is calling out. Now here in chapter 6 is Jesus really, I look at it kind of the third point of the sermon. In the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, 6, 7, Jesus is sitting with people on a mountain. He's teaching them things that are just blowing their mind because Jesus speaks like no one else is what the Bible says. And here in chapter 6, he, he starts the point, well, verse 1 really explains this whole chapter. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Now he points out three, I guess I'll call them religious acts. He he points out three things that we're called to do, to be a part of. Verse two says, thus, when you give to the needy, we're called to give, help people. God blesses us, we're called to bless others and and to take care of the church and and to give. So verse 2, he says, when you give to the needy. When you get to verse 7, he says, when you pray. And then when you get to verse 16, he says, when you fast. It's the same cadence. In verse 2, he says, when you give to the needy, don't sound a trumpet. He says, when you pray, don't use big words so people can hear it. When you fast, don't dress up to make yourself look gloomy so people will go, oh, look at him. Don't do that. And here he clearly says, because you will receive your reward, the the applause, but you won't receive a reward from me. See, what has happened is the religious people of the day and of today have used biblical, godly things that we're called to do and be a part of, and they've perverted them and they've twisted them. It's what they did with giving, and we see it today. It's what they do with praying, we see it today. And it's the same with fasting. So one said, Jesus is tearing down man-made religious traditions that had come to overshadow and supersede or contradict the Old Testament and the gospel of the kingdom. So as Jesus is teaching on the mountain, these people are thinking, well, those are the holy people 
And Jesus is saying, no, these people who should be drawing you to the Lord, that should be helping you know God more, they're pulling you away from him. They're pointing you away from the true God. So Jesus is calling out really false religion. It's the manipulation of God's truth and changing it where it's no longer true. This week I had a lady come to my office and She's new to the church, been visiting for a couple weeks, and she did that 9700 thing, you know, that thing that Roy talks about all the time? It works. Uh, so I, usually what I'll do when I receive one of those, I'll just try to connect. I, I, I reached out through a text, and I remember she texted me back and just said, Pastor, I, I have a lot of questions. And she almost, just in reading it, and then later on talking to her, she, she felt bad for the questions, she thought, you know, I, I, I think I'm just told I'm supposed to go to church and have faith and be quiet and, and just, just do what you're supposed to do. She said, but I have so many questions. I tell you, I love texts like that. I love, I said, hey, let's meet. And she comes in my office and begins to tell me her story, but just to just say, I, what about this and what about this? And I, I had to tell her, hey, you don't have to feel bad for these questions. This is wonderful. Let's talk about it. Why? Because Jesus is the truth. We're going to talk about it and you can ask about it. We're not scared about it. We want you to know the truth of Jesus. And so she began to tell me her story. She began to tell me how she was very, very reluctant with any kind of religion. She told me that she was born in Utah, and she said I was quick to realize that the Mormon way, that wasn't true. And then she said my mom then brought me up in the Catholic Church, and I married a man in the Catholic Church, and then we shifted over to being a Jehovah's Witness. And then, and then she began to tell me just, just sad, sad things. And I looked at her and I said, no wonder you don't trust religion. Because what people have done is they say, hey, this is the truth, yet they've walked away from the Bible and God's word. And so you've been a part of things. And, and she's like, I, I'm just scared if I jump in, I'm going to find out this is something totally different. And I loved her conversation. We began to talk about who Jesus is and his wonderful love. And we get to go to the gospel of how Christ loves us. And that's why he came and died on the cross and defeated death and rose again. And we worship the risen Savior. But she still was so, she, she just said, she asked me, I, I loved her. She goes, Pastor, I don't know, if I miss a Sunday, will, will I be in trouble and I thought, man, there'd be a lot of people in trouble if that was, uh, <laughs> that was just in my head. I didn't say that out loud to her. Didn't, didn't say that. But no, come to a place where you're loved and cared for and we want you to know Christ. But as she grew up, there were so many people with the label of religion that weren't true followers of Jesus. They didn't follow Christ. And so here, this is what Jesus is calling out. He said, there are people that come, they use religion for what? The applause. They use religion for the applause. Now you may say, pastor, that's, I mean, who, 
that's, that maybe they did that then, they do, don't do it now. And I think about our culture, well, we use lots of things to get applause. We try to use the money that we have. We buy the car so people look and go, hey, look at that guy. We're so saturated with sports, and so it becomes, you know, it's like, man, hey, I want you to applaud me or applaud my kid because I want you to look at me and go, man, you're... So it may not be money, prestige, or power, sport, whatever it is, a talent. Well, yes, people use religion, so people will learn and give an applause. And that's what's happening. They were fasting and it said the way they looked, it, it seems like they would even put on makeup. They would disfigure their face so people would look and go, oh, what's wrong? Oh, those are the godly people. They would have people focus on them. Now, you're at the 1030 gathering. You guys like to clap, all right? You do. We are the, we are the clap. And if you're new to this, like, why is everybody clapping? Can I tell you? Don't clap to give praise to the people up on the stage. Don't, don't clap because that's my pastor or clap because that's the worship team. No, we clap because we praise God for who he is. And if you want to clap and celebrate and gathering when you hear and go, man, I praise God, that's the truth of God and I'm so happy for the truth of God. If you want to praise him and go, man, that's who God is. That's what God says. Thanks, Pastor, for saying, preaching the word. Yes, we praise the Lord. Right? We praise God to go, man, that's what God did. Or we praise him and go, man, thank you, God, for what you're doing. Or we look to the future because we know what God's going to do. This is why we praise the Lord. And just a little side note, the Bible says that the Pharisees lost their reward. Jesus said, you got your reward, that's what you got. He said, but you lost my reward. Can I tell you? I don't want your reward. I want the reward from the Lord. And so let's praise him because he deserves to be worshipped. So here, Jesus looked at the religious people and said, you're, you're faking it. You're leading people astray. He called out the false religion. And then he called out, when he's teaching on this, it, it's, well, let me read a quote to you. To you. It says this, giving and praying and fasting for which Jesus gives correction to the hypocritical religious practice, practice by the scribes and Pharisees. In each case, the perversion of God's standard was caused by an overriding desire to be seen and praised by men. So in this passage in 16 and, or excuse me, in uh, yeah, 16 and 17, he's pointing this out. We get to verse 17. He says, truly I say to you, they will receive their reward, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. What, what is this? This isn't some special, and you're, like, you're not like when I fast, I have to do, I have to anoint my head. What do I do with that? This is just talking about just take a bath. It's what it's saying. It's saying be clean. Don't do anything that would draw attention to yourself. But here Jesus also calls out the ritual Listen, fasting is not a program you get on. 
Fasting is not something mechanical that we go, I did this, and, and now I'm good, and now, now, I'm, now I'm good with the Lord. I love what one said, fasting is not an end in itself. That's not what fasting is. And so we have to be careful because you may say, well, I, I wouldn't do that. We're real good at it. We're real good at going, Lord, well, I did this now, so I'm good, right? Like, I went to church five weeks in a row, right? We're good? I, I gave, right? God, we good? We good? And then we use fasting to go, well, I fasted, so now that I fasted, the Lord, the Lord should bless me now. And becomes this ritual that it's not meant to be. In Isaiah 58, Isaiah calls out, let's just call it fake fasting. In Isaiah 58, it is, um, I, I'm going to read this to you in a paraphrase. And what a paraphrase is, it's not a word-for-word translation from the Greek. It is more a thought-for-thought. Thought. And so I thought this was helpful, so I'm going to read it to you. It's Isaiah 58. The Bible says, shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud. Don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. Right? God is saying, Isaiah, you must tell them. Point it out. Verse 2, yet... They are so pious. What does that mean? Devoutly religious. They come to the temple every day and seem to delight to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its gods. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want me to be near. Verse 3, why have you, why we have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed, they say. We've been very hard on ourselves, and you, you don't even notice it. Here's the response. I will tell you why. It is because you are fasting to please yourself. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance or a mask of sorrow and shame, bowing your head like reeds bending in the wind. You dress up in burlap and cover yourself with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? In verse 6, no, this kind of fasting, no, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Move the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from relatives who need your help. Here the Bible clearly calls out, says, if you do these things, and we can make a list of things, if they're just a ritual, you are missing out on what I truly called you to. So here Jesus calls out false religion rituals. So now you may ask, then, then Pastor, what is fasting then? What, as the church and today, what, is, what are we called to? Well, the word fast in the Greek simply means to go without food. In Matthew chapter 4, the Bible tells that Jesus, as his ministry began, he goes and fasts for 40 days. 
And I love this passage of scripture in Matthew 4, verse 2. It says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. I love that verse. With the almighty God, Jesus comes down and he is hungry. He does not eat. So fasting is to abstain from food. And when we look to the Bible, we look to the Old Testament, there's different kinds of fasting. Many times fasting was to not eat food, but to still take water. Sometimes there was a partial fast, like in Daniel chapter 9, he wouldn't eat meat or or certain things. As we study the Old Testament, you'll see there's there's a private fast. Then we also see corporate fasts. See, nations called to fast to say, hey, there's something that has happened. Let's all stop and fast. Now, as you study fasting, though, what I find so amazing, I'm going to take you through a few verses in the Old Testament that talk about what it means to fast. Like 2 Samuel chapter 12, King David, his baby is sick. 2 Samuel 12, 16 says, David therefore sought God and David fasted. When you go to Nehemiah, it says that Nehemiah, he realized that the city of Jerusalem was being destroyed. It was unprotected. And it says that he fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. The book of Judges, when war was coming, the people of Israel were scared, and Judges twenty twenty six says, They sat before the Lord and fasted that day until evening. Go to Second Chronicles chapter 20. It says, Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. You may ask, Pastor, why are you reading each of those verses? Because every time we see someone saying, okay, I'm going to fast, I'm going to go without food. It wasn't the going out, the not having food that was powerful. What was powerful is that the people sought the face and the truth. They sought the Lord. This is what it means to fast. It is not this powerful thing that, that, that fasting in it itself is like powerful. If I just go without food today, man, it's going to change my spiritual life. That's not what the Bible points to. It says when people fasted, they laid down food so they could go and sit and ask the Lord for help. That's why the Sermon on the Mount, right? We, we are taking it apart verse by verse. But think about it, as it flows, Jesus just got done saying, hey, this is how you pray. You pray for my kingdom to come. You pray for my will to be done. So now when we fast, what are we doing? Setting other things aside so we can go, Lord, what is your will? May we follow you. May we know what what you have. May you give us the power to do what you've called us to do. I love what Chuck Lindsay, uh, the location pastor at the Grand Blank location, in our book, he said this. In other words, biblical fasting is not a dietary or cleansing practice. It is a self, it is denial of self. It is a denial of what the physical body demands. The desires of the physical are denied, refused, and abstained from for the purpose of focusing all our attention on spiritual. 
It's I'm not going to prepare the food. I'm not going to figure out what I got to do. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to eat it. I'm not going to have to clean it up. How can I take this time and go and meet with the Lord? As we look at fasting, you often see this large event that happens where people are mourning or repenting. People are trying to figure out what the Lord has. One said fasting is associated with mourning. It never shows to be a means to heighten spiritual experience or visions or special insight or awareness. It's appropriate when we respond at special times of testing and trial and struggle. Another pastor said, fasting is likely to be a part of a sincere dedication that is determined to know the Lord's will and have his power so that you can make the decision to follow him. He goes on to say, people who are consumed with concern before God do not take a lunch break. So what is fasting? Fasting is laying down that desire that all of us, that need that all of us have for a time, a special occasion to say, Lord, I need to spend this with you. So when do we fast? Going back to the question, how how often? Matthew 6, Jesus says, when you fast. So I believe there's a call for the church. We're, We're called to fast. In the beginning of the sermon, when I ask who in here has fasted before, it's, I say it's something that's not taught on often because I would say there are most of us that probably have not fasted before. So we're missing this truth, this, this important truth. When do we fast? To read a commentary, Jesus implies that those who follow him will fast from time to time. But the Bible gives us nothing about frequency, occasions, or method. It, talks, it tells us about motive. In chapter 6, as Jesus walks through giving and praying and fasting, the first two are they're very clear. The Bible doesn't just say, hey, give and kind of sort it. The Bible talks about in the Old Testament how to give, in the Gospels how to give. You get to the, the, the epistles that are written to the church. It says, hey, we're supposed to be cheerful givers. We're supposed to take care of the poor. We're supposed to take care of the church. It points to all of that very clearly. And then when it comes to prayer, the Bible over and over again, that we're to pray fervently and consistently. and We're to, we're to go to the Lord over and over in this daily prayer. But fasting is different. We don't see this weekly requirement. We don't see, hey, this is how often. When we study God's word, there are times when we lay down this food to seek the will of the Lord. In this day when Jesus is preaching, the Pharisees, it is thought they fasted twice a week. They fasted, they they think, on Mondays and Thursdays. What's fascinating in Luke 18, 
Jesus is speaking of, he tells a parable of a Pharisee who goes to the temple and a sinner. And I've used this passage, I feel like, a lot lately, but here it's so clear. He says, the Pharisee goes to the temple to pray. And when he gets there, he says, hey, uh, I give tithes of everything that I have and I fast twice a week. So interesting, it's wrapped around what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, I fast twice a week. Now, what's interesting is they would fast on Mondays and Thursdays, which were also, a couple of commentaries says, were the market days in the cities. Now, I didn't understand the market days until I went to Haiti a few years ago. And so then you'd, you'd drive in these towns, you'd be like, hey, we can't go to this town on Tuesday. I'm like, why? It's Monday, nobody's here. Like, Tuesday, things will be crazy. Why? Tuesday's market day. If you went by that city, there are people coming from everywhere. It is just packed out. Isn't it interesting that the Pharisees would fast on Mondays and Thursdays when the cities were packed out with people to see them, to focus on them? But when we, the church, we look at fasting, what do we see? It is often accompanied by an important task, a decision. We see Jesus fasted for 40 days at the beginning of his ministry. You can go to Acts chapter 13, which is after the Gospels, after Jesus is ascended into heaven. And you see the church fasting. Acts 13, 2 says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting... The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And after fasting and praying, they laid their hands upon them and sent them off. So when do we fast? We see at special times of sorrow, need, hurt, decisions. We also see fasting at times of sin to go and go, Lord, I have to repent of sin. And then in Matthew 9, just a few pages later, the Bible tells us that Jesus is with, his, is, is with uh, Matthew, the tax collector, and, and um, he is gathering with people. In Matthew 9, they're gathered together in a room, and Jesus was often accused of being a glutton and hanging out with sinners. This is what Jesus was accused of. So here, Jesus is with many sinners, and they're eating together. And the Pharisees come and go, what is your problem? And one guy I read said, I wonder if it was on a Monday or Thursday and the Pharisees came in starving going, oh, we're holy. You're eating? And Jesus is like, yes. And they're like, you're eating with sin. These people are a mess. And Jesus is like, these are the people I've come for. Then the Bible says that John the Baptist, his disciples show up. In verse 14, it says, Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? 
So we see here Jesus' disciples weren't fasting at the time. And, and John the Baptist, his disciples were fasting. They came to Jesus and said, hey, we know you're the teacher. Why, why, are, why are the disciples, why are they not fasting? And Jesus says they will when I'm gone. And he uses the illustration that he is the bridegroom. He said there's no fasting when the bridegroom is there. And it seems like it's pointing to like the wedding time. Like when it points to the wedding. Pat, our student guy's getting married on Friday. Pat. Hey, Pat. I'm not fasting at your wedding, all right? Whatever you got, all right? All of it. Seconds, whatever. Right? But at this time too, like weddings were like five days long. So Jesus is like, when, when the bridegroom is there, when the, like you're not going to fast. And Jesus is saying, I, I'm the bridegroom. Now this is big. See, John the Baptist earlier, Jesus, John the Baptist said this of Jesus. He said, you yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. John said that Jesus is the bridegroom. And if you study the New Testament, you know that you see that marriage, right? It's about Christ and the church, that the church is like the bride and Jesus is the husband. And it's this relationship with the Lord. So here Jesus is saying, hey, I'm the bridegroom. And John the Baptist said, hey, he's the bridegroom. But understand, this goes even deeper. Because in the Old Testament, what does it say about who God is? Well, in Exodus, in Hosea, the minor prophets, Isaiah 54, 4 says this. says, for your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. People say sometimes, you know, Jesus didn't say he was God. Oh, yeah, he did. And here again, he goes, hey, in the Old Testament, God is the father. God is the husband. And I have come. You know who I am? Guess who is here? The bridegroom is here. Jesus speaking of his deity and who he is. And I love as we come to Christmas, right? We look at Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. So Jesus said, the disciples, they're not fasting. Why? Because Jesus is, because I am here. But he says, I'm leaving. The disciples probably didn't understand that because they still were in a place of going, uh, he's, he's going to set up his earthly kingdom, right? No, Jesus knew he was coming to die on the cross for our sins. Jesus went to the cross and he died on the cross. And what is so amazing and why we sit here today is because three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. Because if he didn't, this is all a waste. But it's not a waste. Why? Because Jesus rose from the dead Since I said that clapping thing, you're all hesitant now. Wait, 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 no, no. Is my heart right? I don't know. I don't. I'm, okay, I'm doing this. It's okay. 
One said, he says we will fast when we are repenting of sin. We will fast to say, I'm sorry, Lord, please help me. We will fast as the early church did when they were calling upon the Lord to know his will and to make a wise judgment. We will fast to ask the Lord if he'll open the door for the gospel to be shared. And we can fast simply long for the wedding of the return of the Lamb of God. In chapter 6, Jesus says, the focus cannot be on you. It must be in praise and glory to me. And he so doesn't want us to miss it. A few weeks ago, uh, my wife, uh, we, we've had a piano in our family for 60 years. My wife's grandpa bought, grandma bought this piano 60 years ago, and uh, about 20 years ago, it was handed down to my wife. And um, my wife is a piano major in, in college and plays at the 8 o'clock gathering, and that's why you don't see her at 10.30, because I tell her, you don't have to listen to me twice. Who wants to do that? But my wife uh, is a piano major, and so this piano that we have, we... Um, we got another piano, and, and so we asked the family, anybody want the, the, you know, the family piano? Everybody's like, no, no, no. So the family said we could sell the piano. And my wife keeps this, I mean, it is beautiful, right? right? It is tuned twice a year. She plays it. It's very nice. And so we went to sell it and do it all. Everybody does and put it on market, Marketplace and sold it. And a lady from West Bloomfield contacted me and said, hey, we, we would like the piano. I said, great. And we set up a day to come pick it up. Now, that day was on Halloween, uh, and if you remember, Halloween this year was the snowiest day we've had so far. I think it's the only snowy day we had, and she said, hey, my husband will be there about 5.30, and I just thought, I just, just wanted, like, hey, just to remind you, like, you're going to need a couple people to move this piano, and then I was like, and it's not going to fit in the back of a truck. You're not going to, like, throw that thing up in the, like, you're going to need a trailer, and so 5.30 came around, and nobody showed up, and then about 6.30, I got a message again saying, oh, we didn't, we didn't realize this would be this much work, and, and so we got another trailer, had switched cars, so we're on our way, and it's snowing like crazy, and so at 8 o'clock, they pull in my driveway, they back in, and my wife sees them, and the trailer that they have is just this open, little, tiny trailer. It's snowing and snowing. And my wife was like, they can't put the, 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 the piano, like, they can't put that on the trailer, and then they'll snow, and, and I was like, hun, just go in the bedroom, okay, I'll take care of it. <laughs> so they come in, a couple of guys, and I'm like, all right, guys, I'll help you carry this, so I help them carry out to this little trailer, I'm like, do you have a tarp? I'm like, okay, I'll go get my, so I give them my tarp. <laughs> They put the, you got straps? Yeah, we got straps. Okay, you're going to, and then they strap it up like, I don't, I don't know if that thing's going to make it. And so we sent off this piano. I'm like, there's 50-50, it falls out on I-75. I mean, it is. And just the, like my wife just like, what this is made for. And while they were there, I remember them saying, you know, I don't know how we're going to get it in our house. And it's got to go in the backyard. Maybe we could like slide it down the hill in the snow. And they're like, nah, we'll just leave it in the garage tonight. And my wife's like, you can't leave the piano in the garage. It's freezing cold out. And they're going to take it and warm it. 
what that was made for. I think about my wife and the, the, the beauty and how she played that piano. And then people come and go, well, I, they, they just don't know. And they just kind of throw it around and it's not a big deal. And, it, and I tell you that because I think about how the Lord gives us these things. Like he calls us to pray and to give and to fast. He, he calls us to live out this life, to have a close relationship with them. And too many times in church we just go, hey, whatever, it's not a big deal. And we don't realize the beauty of it. We don't realize what it's made for and why the Lord gives it to us. And then we miss out on how God is drawing us to him, to know him and to know his will and to follow him. I did reach out to the lady a couple days later because I just had to know. It's like, ma'am, just seeing if the piano made it. She sent me a picture. She said, we adopted a five-year-old boy. And he was sitting at the piano. And she said, he's starting lessons next week. I turned to my wife like, see, see. (laughs) The beautiful things the Lord gives us. May we learn about them. Learn that it's not just another, it's not a ritual. It's not, oh, I gotta give up food. No, no, the Lord is calling you to lay down things so you can meet with Him and know Him and draw close to Him. And what's the Bible say? He'll draw close to you. So may we be a church that grows in living out the life He's called us to. Let's stand. pray Lord I so want to continue to be a church that grows in you it so excites my soul see our church wrestle with things and try to understand things and to live out this life you've called us to, Lord, that is difficult sometimes. But, oh, Lord, I love seeing it. May you continue to grow us. As you teach us to fast, Lord, may we be challenged. May we be challenged to lay some things down sometimes and just go, Lord, I'm just going to go and be with you. We sure need you. We thank you and we praise you. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.